And we're live. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Sol Google Mysteries podcast. I'm joined by Glenn Highcove. How are you feeling, man? I'm doing okay. You know, I'm just, uh, you know, settling into the fall right now. Uh, it's getting colder over here finally. And, um, you know, we're we're doing a lot of things in the show lately. And we're doing some topics that I think are, are different. The one tonight... I mean, I'm I'm kind of both ha- both fascinated by it and and horrified. Apparently, the topic is so horrifying that even like people that that are like like horror aficionados, um, one one of them uh, was shown the footage of what we're going to talk about today, and he was like he couldn't even finish it. Um, so I, I, I mean, maybe that's enough teasing, kind of here on the the when we're recording on almost the eve of Halloween. Um, yeah, it's going to be pretty interesting to see how the audience reacts to it. And I think the challenge for me um, is both kind of distaste with some of the stuff we're going to talk about um, because it's just so over the top and it's fascinating and it's almost it's almost too much. Like, you know what I mean? I, I think that's going to be my real challenge is managing how to talk about it in a way that doesn't underplay how horrifying it is but also makes it like so our audience can talk can, can listen to it yeah exactly i know what you mean because this is a very horrifying topic this week um and it is funny how it kind of lined up to halloween eve um you know because this definitely probably is and i know i say this a lot that you know one case is like probably the craziest thing we've ever talked about but to me like this really seems like this could definitely be the craziest case we have ever talked about definitely the most morbid one and definitely probably the most crazy one from my neck of the woods right because we're going to be talking about the Dnepropetrovsk's maniacs now this is uh, a lot of you guys can probably tell that this is a foreign case this is not a u.s based case this is a case from ukraine um and this case essentially happened in one of the biggest cities in ukraine called dnipro now i'm not really sure if a lot of people are aware of dnipro as a city we can see it on the map here uh for everyone who's watching this on the youtube channel because everyone can always tune in to check it out um you know it's not kiev and because kiev is probably the city that everyone has heard in 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 respect to ukraine uh, but Dnipro is also a pretty big city. It's uh, an industrial city in the more eastern part of Ukraine. And essentially, the Dnepropetrovsk maniacs were a pack of Ukrainian serial spree killers, drill killers, robbers, one-time cop killers who brutally killed nearly two dozen people during a murder spree that lasted nearly four weeks. Um, So the people involved, and I want to go through the people who are involved in this case. So we have Viktor Sayenko. Uh, We have Igor Sprunyuk. I still don't know how to pronounce that guy's last name. And we have... Alexander Hanza. So 
uh, on this image right now that everyone can see, because uh, we're showing the picture of the three individuals, the first person to the most left is Alexander Ahanza. He was 19 years of age at the time of the killing spree. Now, all of these men were 19, by the way. They were all classmates in high school. Now, Alexander Hansa, he was the only individual who did not receive a life sentence in this case because apparently he never actively participated in any of the murders. Now, in the middle, we have, uh, we have Igor Suprunyuk. I'm just going to refer to his last name like that. All right, so I think from what I've gathered, he was the mastermind. And on the most right, we have Viktor Sayenko, who is seen in most of the pictures, in most of the videos. But from what I've gathered, Igor Sprunyuk was apparently the person who may have, to some extent, bullied Viktor Sayenko into committing these crimes. Well, at least that's what Viktor Sayenko's I believe father, who was a lawyer, uh, claimed in the defense of his son. Now, both of the both of the men that committed the murders, which would be you know the man in the middle and the man on the most right, um, Igor and Victor, they got life sentences. Um, now, Alexander Hansa, he only got like what fifteen years, but I think in two thousand and nineteen he has been released. And he is now married and has two children, apparently. So I'm not really sure if that's, you know, I don't know. That seems like it could be a uh, weird little situation right there. Maybe he turned the corner, but I mean, we can definitely get into it. So, um, dude, your initial take before we jump into the evidence, into the story, into the timeline, your thoughts about the whole case. Did you find it especially grim and morbid? Because I definitely did. Yeah, I, I have a, I have a lot of questions. I think once we get um, kind of through the the basic facts of the case, and actually some of my questions are are specifically to you. So I think this is maybe an opportunity to give some insights about anything you think that's maybe unique about, let's say, Central or Eastern Europe in terms of like the period or maybe what they would have experienced growing up, though I know they're they're older than you are. Um, they sort of straddled the um, the Cold War more, I guess, with their childhood. So I think that's interesting in terms of your opinions about how that how that may or may not have impacted why they why they did the horrible things they did, um, uh, uh, according to you know Ukrainian authorities. Um, I also I guess I was struck that like I. I've gotten some whiff of this, I want to say, at least during the era of content like this coming out of, um, I think I thought it was Russia at the time, and maybe it was, but maybe it was one of the videos from um, this case today. But when I, I was really surprised when I read it, because I don't, I don't know that other people here in the U.S. really have this case in their radar. And I was thinking, well, I mean, I almost think that if it had happened here, or when things like this do happen, um, even on like a smaller scale, um, it's almost too terrible for them for news to cover. You know what I mean? Like it's it's one of those things where it's too it's it's too over the top. I don't know. Yeah. It, it's yeah. Yeah. Nah. I totally agree, man. And I feel like 
neither of the events that we will describe now, I don't recall anything like this happening in the US or at least hearing about stories from the states because this seems like you know Ukraine um, mid 2000s Ukraine seems like a perfect place for something like this to happen because you know some of the Ukrainian towns it's like a harsh life you know Ukraine is a, 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 a cool country but at the same time life there isn't easy for you know various reasons like uh, a, a bunch of conflicts a bunch of like instability happening in the country and i think these things are naturally gonna just come up in that environment right so jumping to the story um i have a bunch of points of, of interest that i have noted down during my research one of the interesting points that i want to mention that all of these three men were actually uh, i'm not sure if they were classmates but they were attending the same school. So from what I've reckoned, they were all school friends. And an interesting point that I've read about these individuals was that they all had several phobias. And they actually dealt with the, the phobias in very strange ways. So I, I believe Igor and Victor, like the murderers in this case, they were afraid of heights. So what they did, they apparently went to one of their apartment's balconies and they would hang off the railings for like minutes or like many or like hours on end with like doing different stunts like that. So, and they're doing this as like in high school. So this is a crazy activity in my opinion. This kind of already indicates that these individuals were like, I don't know, seems like, um, I don't know what to even make, make of it, dude. Like, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, so that's the other kind of extreme content that I'm, I was much more familiar with and is probably a lot more um, work safe. Um, like the, the, the stunt videos and like the, um, yeah. The daredevil videos is almost like what I want to call it. Not, you know, and when I mean like the traditional definition of that, I mean, I feel like that part of the world is infamous for these videos of people doing just incredibly dangerous things like, like jumping across girders on like skyscrapers, you know, or really high buildings, climbing really high, high buildings and, and jumping, you know, across ledges and, and hanging by their arms, yeah. you know, from like a thousand feet up from like a, a radio tower or something. I mean, just, just crazy stuff. So, I mean, the, 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 I mean, is that something that is also common in Lithuania where you live? Um, not necessarily. Uh, I think I know what you, you are talking about. You're talking about like all of those videos about like people climbing like towers and like without, without any like safety harnesses and, yeah. and filming themselves. Yeah. We have a few guys like that. Actually, one of the, youtubers who's like whose name is like she shay or something like that he's actually from lithuania i think he's like one of the most popular people in that niche you know you know what i mean so i think it's an eastern european thing perhaps i mean what without i guess getting too derailed on the topic i feel like it, it does impact it though because it's one of the things we know about the the suspects in this case um of course. What where does where does that come from? I mean, what what is it? Why what why why don't we see that in like France, 
or the US or the UK or China or South Korea. I mean, I've seen something similar to it in India, um, maybe or Pakistan, where they do that that kind of like weird train dodging. You know, you've seen you've seen like 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 the train version of that, yes. where people hang off the side of it and they kind of dodge things at the last second, yes. um, and dodge tunnels and stuff. So that I don't know what's in com- what's what's the common thread? Do you think between like people in Ukraine? Is it, is it just is it like poverty? I is it like like not not having a good um, future? ahead of you necessarily or not not feeling secure about that future i think it's it's a combination combination of things i think it's like lower living uh standards uh mixed with maybe um really sleazy parenting mixed with uh growing up in an environment that doesn't provide you with much opportunities well every environment kind of provides you with you with opportunities of course if you just look for them but maybe they're not uh, as open uh, you know uh, like they're not as visible as they are in other countries you know what i mean so i think it's like a mixture of like poverty of like bad parenting and um not thinking that you have anything to lose not thinking that you have anything to live for so you just end up doing crazy stunts you know Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, all right. Yeah, maybe that's how it's like a lot of other daredevil behavior. Maybe it's just we don't hear about it as much, or the the daredevil behavior shifted in terms of how it manifests. But yeah, it's it's definitely interesting to hear. I think that's that's the part about this case that was the most interesting to me was understanding um, kind of what the like like they actually had documented stuff of, of how these guys kind of grew up and and how they, they they sort of how their behavior formed over time like i guess that's the yeah advantage of, of criminals having enough rope rope to hang themselves with when they have digital devices like this and they start recording stuff for their own mm-hmm. you know entertainment exactly um now uh, remember uh, alexander hansa the man who is now roaming free who was just an accomplice meaning that he was aware of the murder spree but he wasn't part of the murder spree now alexander hansa was also a friend of theirs when they were young and alexander hansa apparently was the most squeamish out of the bunch and he had something called hemophobia right so i want to jump to alexander hansa's picture if i have one i'm not really sure if i uh, see one well let's just jump to this picture right so alexander hansa is the man in the middle and he had uh he had something called hemophobia which is apparently a fear of blood of sorts right so um now igor sprunyuk the man on the leftmost corner he suggested to combat Hansa's fear of homophobia by capturing dogs in the nearby forest and torturing them and killing them and actually if you're gonna google this case right if you're gonna google the Dnepropetrovsk's maniacs right and you're gonna go to the Google images, you're gonna see a bunch of pictures of these guys where they're taking pictures next to dogs 
hanged from like tree branches somewhere in the forest and some of those are very sad and very graphic one of the pictures really made me sick because there's a lot of like sad emotions in the dog's face and the dog is you know dead and um one of the boys i'm not really sure which one i think it may have been victor he's posing next to the dog with his tongue out kind of mocking the dog because the dog's tongue was also out because you know essentially it's dead by then so that was one of the ways they were combating um their fears right and as i was going through the pictures and they're online like you can find them on google search but i didn't want to include them in our uh youtube youtube visual portion of this podcast because they're really gruesome and i just don't necessarily want to show that like I'm, I'm okay with showing like gruesome stuff but like just something about like dead dogs it's like too much for me uh, i really don't like seeing that you know what i mean uh and from what i'm trying to say here is that there are so many pictures of them posing with dead dogs like maybe five or six that you could like easily find with one google search it seems like killing humans was almost like a natural progression if you know what i mean yeah i mean that's probably perfect way to put it because when they look at the habits of serial killers um it's really common for them to use animals in the way that these guys did it's almost like the animals become a way to train oneself i mean for some of the serial killers it's interesting because they use the animals to satisfy their curiosity about um an anatomy right so some of them either out of part of their psychopathy or just genuine you know kind of like childlike interest in um in like you know physiology like 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 we all kind of probably do as kids before you really know that's one way to satisfy it but obviously it's like a really low empathy or no empathy way to do it right because you're inflicting damage and death on somebody but in their case i if, if that was if that, if that was at all the uh, motivation it was like a secondary or, or or tertiary objective it really seems like they were trying to i mean i read it as them trying to challenge themselves in like a, a sick way like they're trying to toughen themselves up i guess um yeah i also say I, i've seen similar this is kind of weird but i've seen similar um levels of i guess cruelty to animals and sort of barbarism with animals in um around the world some groups of special forces so um some countries i'm not gonna like stigmatize any particular country but it's the same kind of thing where it's like to push yourself as one of these elite special forces who are supposed to do anything and kill anybody, et cetera, to push yourself into showing your peers that you can like push through your own disgust and inhibitions and even humanity to not do certain cruel things. I've seen like, like what you, what you talk about happening to, and what we know from, you know, you and I doing research on this, what we know happened to, to the victims, both, you know, human and animal uh, of them. It's really similar in a way. So it's almost, I, I have to wonder at this point in the story if there's similar motivations about, at least with each other, trying to like, 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 like is described, they're toughening themselves up. So it's like, well, I like animals. 
Well, because one of them did actually. One of them would not even bathe his kitten because he was so worried about um, scalding it. And then by the end of this whole thing, they're like killing kittens. They're killing dogs. They're killing, you know, eventually people. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, some of their earlier pictures before the killing spree took place, because they were taking pictures and documenting their activities way before the killing spree even began, shows them drawing swastikas and other symbols with animal blood, as well as giving the Nazi salute. So we have some of the pictures here. Um, I think this one is a picture of... Uh, and you can see like a, a dog's face on the right side of this picture. I think that's a dead dog by now. And you can see there is a swastika drawn with that dog's blood. So this is a very morbid case for sure. They were also giving out uh, Nazi salutes. And there was some something with like them really liking Nazis. You know what I mean? Like they were doing essentially like the salute like swastikas appeared in their pictures as well as we can see um we can see victor or this is igor i'm sorry this is igor right we can see igor in this particular picture with like a drawn uh hitler mustache so uh did you find do you have any thoughts about their apparent nazi germany fascination and this is like a definitely a radical uh these these you know suspects were definitely like also radical in a sense like it almost like i just want to finish this point it almost kind of represents like a certain rebellion against the system in a way you know yeah it's it's interesting. I'm going to go off one of my Glenn theories. It's almost like this part of the world in some ways is um, mirroring some stuff we saw. I mean, gosh, around the time I was born, even earlier. Um, and maybe this is because and this is specifically in the U.S. and like the U.K. and I guess also Western Germany. Um, in that era, you saw like 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 the punks. The punk, uh, punk punk rock music and punks, punks also used to do a lot of Nazi stuff, mm. and it's 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 interesting because it's not really like they, they, them and, and and fascists don't mix, right? Like if if they had been around during you know the Nazi era, they would have actually been like persecuted, you know, punk punk rockers, just like how people who like swing music and things like that, anything that wasn't seen as sort of wholesome, was persecuted. So the reason why they're doing it is because in the 70s, if you're a teenager, um, your parents probably fought in the war or had relatives who fought, et cetera, right? Like they lived through the war. Mm -hmm. And I think it was, it was to be provocative and insulting and, you know, obnoxious like teenagers are. So I feel like here's, here's, here's the, but my point I'm getting to is, a, I think that anybody that does kind of the, the Nazi and fascist stuff in Eastern Europe now, I mean, the, the great irony is, of course, that's who was like slaughtering their parents or their grandparents, right, or their great-grandparents back during World War II. So it's not really that you support them, even though you may – I'm sure there are people that, 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 that do think that they support the ideas um, that are represented by that. But I really think it's like a form of rebellion. Now, for these two guys – 
I'm going to make a case that this is evidence of them not being mentally ill. So even though somebody might at this point look at these two guys and look at all these swastikas and um, the behavior we've already talked about and say, oh my gosh, this is a sign of mental illness. They're, they're like externalizing, they're, you know, destroying their environment. Well, yeah, like, like I, I would say those things are, are evidence of some kind of mental imbalance or um, sickness. But the Nazi thing, I think, is like sort of that them being obnoxious and them finding something really awful to be provocative. Now, compare that. Here's the thing. Later on, the issue of their mental fitness, at least if one of the suspects will come into question. Oh, you know, like, and at least here in the States, I don't know what, I I didn't get a chance to find out what it is in Ukraine, but in the States, the, the often the, the standard for insanity defense is whether you knew something was wrong when you did it, whether yeah. whether you were capable, capable of doing. So just think about this. So far, doesn't it kind of look like they know they're doing things that are wrong because, the you know, what I mean, why pick the Nazis otherwise? Why not pick, you know, like 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 18th century, you know, Victorian dress or like you know what i mean they're, they're picking something that's distinctively the worst of the worst in terms of the cultural symbols and the society they live in and the societies adjacent to them exactly and i think that's a really good point and besides uh you know if you think about like the historical aspect um ukraine was on the other side not on the side of you know the nazi germany they were you know part of the soviet union so it's maybe also like a little bit of a rebellion to you know the local culture but also i do agree that i think they were just like maniacs but they were aware of what they're doing so they shouldn't be deemed as unfit you know to like be trialed or something like that because I think they're sane, they're just literally like evil, and they have no standards. Also, it seems like there were many, many uh, occasions where it it all could have been stopped, but it really makes me question where were the parents at that point, you know? And and I'll just, just to finish the point, let me make a comparison, let's say, against, um, you know, you could have maybe like a parent who kills their child or their children, you know, like a suicidal parent or, you know, like we've seen... Um, or a family annihilator, and that person, yeah. their their reality may, I guess there's, there's, their sense of morality would make them do stuff that was offensive or awful or evil, but like in an irrational pattern, you know what I mean? Like 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 strange ideas, maybe you know, like like you see with schizophrenia, where people get get obsessions with with weird things that don't make sense. And so far, you're not. I mean, they're 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 obsessed with horrible things. They're obsessed with things that seem purposefully, deliberately offensive. Yeah. So from that that perspective, to me, they are tourists in the worst of the worst of, um, I guess, human behavior. Exactly. No, that's a really well put, man. Now, jumping back a little bit to their, uh, you know, how everything kind of escalated to the murder spree. Now, essentially, they weren't murdering people, but um, after graduating high school, uh, Sayenko and uh, Alexander Hanza, the, the accomplice, the two men worked their own odd jobs, apparently, while Igor, 
the man on the left in this particular picture. He was officially unemployed, but he became an unlicensed taxi driver because his parents, for one of his birthdays, I think maybe it was the latest birthday, gave him a vehicle, which was a green Devo Lanos. It's a South Korean make. I think I've seen this car somewhere in my country as well. Um, I don't think they make uh, these anymore, of course, because this was an early 2000s build. And by the way, this is not the like exact car that they drove in. This is just a stock image of that vehicle. It's a really small, uh, tight hatchback vehicle that Igor used to, you know, work as a taxi driver. But now eventually his endeavors turned devious because they, all three of them began robbing Igor's passengers. And um, some of the people that they robbed actually later winded up as their victims. So could you imagine that? You jump into some unlicensed, unofficial taxi because they're probably going to give you a cheaper discount. But you either end up getting completely robbed by these three little maniacs from Ukraine or you're going to get smashed in the head with a hammer and there you're gonna get filmed and your video is gonna be posted online so it really makes you wonder do you really want to save that one ukrainian ruble you know yeah and plus it's it's a great um cover for people that were doing the kind of things they were doing or or you know or, or other variations thereof I mean, because you're getting someone to get into your taxi you know, or your, your car, I should say, your vehicle. And then once they're in there, they're kind of at your mercy, especially if you're able to drive really quickly someplace else. A lot of people are, are afraid to jump out of a moving car or if you could lock them in. You know, if it's somebody weak and that seems to be the pattern of who they victimize, they always victimize someone that was weaker than them or who they outnumbered. Um, they're not going to try to, like, assault the driver, right? They're not going to do what maybe like a much tougher opponent would do in that circumstance. Exactly. Exactly. Um, moving on uh, to the story, right? So everything is happening in 2007. And on March 1st, Alexander Hansa, the accomplice, committed two armed robberies that he would end up being charged for. Uh, now... I'm not really sure how that legal process went down, but the other two, the two that we can see in this picture right here, I think they're in Igor's vehicle here as well. Um, the two, you know, Igor and Victor, they lost interest in robbing people and they decided to take it to the next level and they started murdering random people, apparently just for the thrill of it. You know, that was their only reason for killing people. And their killing spree began on July, 2000, uh, July 25th, 2007. And it all began with Yekaterina Ichenko and Roman Tataravich. So the first victim of these two evil suspects, right? Yekaterina Ichenko, she was a, she was a 33-year-old woman 
who was walking home after having some tea at her friend's apartment. Now, according to uh, Victor Sayanko's confession, he and Igor Sprunyuk were, quote, out for a walk when also Sprunyuk, you know, the man on the left-hand side of this picture, had a hammer with him. Now, they saw Ekaterina Ichenko walking past them. Now, as soon as Ekaterina walked past the two men, Igor spun around and hit her in the side of the head with a hammer. And, you know, apparently an hour later, her body was found by her mother. It was uh, There wasn't many details on that particular case. That's all I've managed to find. But the interesting fact was that within an hour of their first murder, both of them killed another victim, which was Roman Tatarevich. Uh, he was sleeping on a bench near the first murder scene, so um, maybe a homeless man. I didn't find more information on Roman Tatarevich, but Tatarevich's head was smashed with blunt objects numerous times rendering him completely unrecognizable so you know it all started on because apparently for from what we know they didn't really kill anyone else before july 25th 2007 so it's so so sudden and they killed two victims within the time frame of one hour i mean that's definitely drastic at that point particular point in time do you think their mental state was such that they were gonna keep doing this until they get caught or was or, or do you think it was a situation where they were like just trying it out once thinking that let's just see how it feels like what do you think their mental state was at that point in time i feel like at that point they were looking to like they were almost testing themselves and maybe they were egging each other on to go to the next level so yeah, I mean, they're, they're, because I, I think that even after all the dogs and all the other horrible stuff they did before that, probably it was a challenge for them. I don't mean that in a good way. Um, I mean that in like a, a saving their humanity way. Uh, if they if they listened to their to their inner conscience there, um, yeah, I think it was it was a challenge to see if they could do it. So it was like like them getting blooded. Exactly, exactly. Um, multiple bodies would be found during this four-week-long murder spree, and usually two bodies per day. Now, additionally, some victims weren't killed in the town of Dnipropetrovsk, which I think is just the town of Dnipro. And quickly jumping back to the map, right? This is Dnipro. These are the lo uh, local towns um, that they would commit their killing sprees as well. I think we have in the notes a few of those uh, murders taking place, a few of those um, uh, that we could like discuss more in detail, you know what I mean? So it wasn't happening in Dnipro. Uh, I think a big advantage for them was the fact that they did have a vehicle and they could transport themselves uh, easier across town. Maybe the vehicle served as an additional boost to their confidence that they could get away with anything at that point. Um, now, jumping back to a little bit of the notes here, um, uh, the, the, their killing spree came to public attention when there was a survivor. Um, now, the survivor 
was a 14-year-old boy from Fid Fidhordni. Fidhordni, I think that's how we pronounce that name of that little town. It's just a little town up uh, north from Dnipro. Um, and uh, the story there is that uh, there were two 14-year-old boys who were fishing, I think in maybe a more wooded area, when Igor and Victor attacked them. Now, one of the boys died. We don't have any more details on how that happened. But one of them survived, who was a 14-year-old Vadim Lyakov. And Vadim immediately ran to the police after his friend was murdered. And at that point, I'm not really sure how many bodies were already found. But at that point, I think... Uh, everyone must have connected the dots now one interesting uh, thing about this case right and i really found it interesting and maybe you will maybe you have as well man is the fact that the police initially didn't report to to my understanding these crimes to the public and only later on they started talking to the local pawn shops because that's how these uh, two individuals were um, caught is when they were trying to sell, uh, you know, their victims' mobile phones in one of the pawn shops, and the pawn shop was already informed about like a potential murderer trying to sell stuff to them. Uh, what do what do you think of the the tactic of the Ukrainian police to potentially not disclose the killing spree? You know what I mean? Um, I think it may be a good idea to tell the local population about what's happening it's weird but i i feel like that goes back to it might be that the practice has the it has roots in soviet practice so even though obviously they're not part of the soviet union anymore there's probably some good amount of the rules and the practices and maybe even the culture of policing and and governing that comes from that so the soviet union was notorious for covering up um, specifically serial killings, but a lot of different crimes uh, during the era. There's a famous um, HBO movie back from when, like HBO movies were a pretty, were like like the earlier days of HBO, let's say, before the, all the famous series called Citizen X that I actually recommend. So Citizen X is about um, this guy who works in the Soviet Union and one of these one of these these like you know Soviet uh, like, like like towns or states or whatever you, you call them. And uh, yeah, so like what happens is um, all of a sudden uh, like, like, like young children are getting murdered and the Soviet Union's response to this is like, well, we don't have this kind of degenerate stuff going on in the Soviet Union. And like the problem is like it's really going on. And, and to that effect... They did not tell anybody in the public, and the the guy they they had like one investigator on it, and he really is challenged by like what's going on. He's like, "Geez, you know, I, I can't really, I'm not equipped for this." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. Um, now, one of the victims who was Natalia Mamruchuk, she was actually beaten to death in front of many witnesses. Natalia was a 45 year old woman who was riding her scooter. In the nearby village of Diovka. Now that village of Diovka is just a little bit to the west from Dnipro. It's also a really small town. It's basically in the 
you could pretty much say it's in almost like the district of Dnipro. It's right there. Now she was passing through a wooded area when the two men approached her and knocked her down off her scooter. They then proceeded to bludgeon her to death with a hammer or a pipe and drove off on her scooter. Now local witnesses gave chase but lost sight of the attackers. So, you know, it's a grim scene for sure. The investigation uh, was kept secret at first, as I've mentioned earlier, but eventually sketches were distributed uh, and also the victim's stolen possessions were listed to local pawn shops so that, you know, how it all worked. Um, there were a bunch of victims and they all had stolen items, like items that, that the maniacs stole from the dead corpses. And now police knew of these items that were missing from the dead corpses. And so they went to the local pawn shops in Dnipro and they said, if anyone is trying to sell this particular phone, this particular bag, this particular case, whatever, whatever, right? Um, then call us because these items belong to the murder victims, right? Does that make any sense? Like, is that a good practice? I think that's a smart idea. Yeah, it's, uh, that's pretty normal here to the point that uh, pawn shops often can get fined or even um, criminally prosecuted for not um, reporting stuff that the cops have... Um, that the police have, have, have flagged for them. Because, yeah, it's it's like the number one thing people do with stolen goods is they try to fence them. And some stuff is, some kinds of things are pretty hard to sell to just like your next door neighbor, right? So you got to try the, the first place they try before they kind of learn better is the pawn shop. Um, so this was probably some pretty decent policing. Yeah, uh, I, I do agree here. Now, uh, the three individuals were all arrested one week after the murder spree ended uh, after Igor Sprunyuk tried selling a mobile phone who be which belonged to one of his victims. Now, the phone had to be turned on to ensure it worked, allowing law enforcement agents to find it and trace its location, leading to the arrests of Sayenko and Sprunyuk. Now, I don't really understand that how they caught up to them. Like, does that make any sense to you? I just want to read this one more time, dude. Uh, yeah. Okay, so, because I didn't understand this part. The three were arrested a week after the spree ended when Igor Sprunyuk tried selling a mobile phone belonging to one of his victims. The mobile phone had to be turned on to ensure it worked, allowing law enforcement agents to find it and trace its location, leading to the arrests of Sayenko and Sprunyuk. I don't get. I don't get that. Yeah. So the the deal was the phone when they stole it. You know, like we always talk about locating phones. Like this, the phones either have locating software, or you can switch on a mode, a remote mode to, to send the phone's location. So that's why what I how I read it was that the phone was off. So the 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 pawn shop. You know, like when these scumbags go to go sell the stolen property, the pawn shops will like turn it on because I don't even know if that this works. phone works. Yeah, I'm not going to give you money until you, I see that the, like the, the light turns on. So they turn it on, 
and right away the phone, you know, like, uh, I don't know what specific kind of phone it was, et cetera, but I'm assuming almost everybody has some kind of anti-theft um, mechanism in it. So they turn it on, and as soon as the phone turns on, the phone's like, hey, I'm over here at this address, and they're like, aha. So then that that's perfect for them, right? Because as soon as they get a location, it's only a matter of time of going down the, the relatively short list of people that could have brought in that phone. Um, and then, you know, now they have a description, and now they know kind of who to look for. Oh, that makes perfect sense. So perhaps... Oh, yeah, that makes actually perfect sense. Um, yeah, uh, now that you explained. Um, now, authorities also at the same time invaded Alexander Hansa's the accomplice's home and also arrested him. But Alexander Hansa, just before he got arrested, he managed to erase the information on numerous stolen mobile phones and he also attempted to flush them down the toilet. So what do you think? I was I was wondering, what do you think Alexander Hansa potentially erased from the mobile phones? Was that like more maybe gruesome, incriminating uh, pictures or videos, right? Yeah, I think, I think anything that connected it to him. Um, I mean, that was the one thing I, I had to kind of, I was amazed by. Apparently he, he was able to, the way I read it, Maybe I didn't read it properly. As I understood it, he had, he had flushed it down the... He flushed it to the phone and other stuff down the toilet successfully. And I guess... I don't know if it actually ruined it to the point that it somehow erased the materials. Or the other thing I thought of was maybe the Ukrainian authorities were like, ugh, this thing's just been sitting in a septic tank for 24 hours. I don't know that I even want to, like, touch it to try to, you know what I mean? Like, like, how do you even go about that? Because especially back then, water ruined everything. Like now you're seeing, I don't know, stuff catches a break sometimes and, and the way memory is stored. I don't know enough about like phone storage or electronic device storage memory back then to be able to really know whether how reliable, you know, you could recover stuff from water and or <laughs> sewage damage, fecal damage. I mean, my God. Yeah, uh, that's definitely a, a difficult task right there, right? Um, now, all three, when they got arrested, right, um, essentially, Sayenko, Spruniuk, and Hansa were charged for numerous instances of uh, premeditated murder, but not Hansa. Hansa wasn't charged for murder, but they all were charged for animal cruelty, robbery and armed robbery all three immediately made confessions though igor spruniuk would go to withdraw his eventually all three men were found guilty of all of their respective charges sayanko and spruniuk were both sentenced to life imprisonment while alexander hansa the accomplice was sentenced to nine years in prison uh you know, the brief sentence being because Alexander Hansa never participated in the murders, however, he was aware of them. Sayenko and Spruniuk's videos of their murders received a large amount of attention. One of the videos managed to find its way onto the internet almost a year 
like definitely over a year after the murder spree ended, which was on December 4th, 2008. So that was like more than a year and a half, I think, after their murders. And it was the recording of the brutal murder of Sergei Yadzenko that became viral on the various shock sites registered in the United States. Uh, I have a question immediately. It got leaked in 2008. Uh, I wasn't really surfing the internet as much back then. Have you ran into this video or have heard of a video? Because it has a very morbid name. It was called Three Guys, One Hammer. Oh, no, I don't think I saw that video. I saw I saw ones that were kind of similar to it, but um, no, I did not see that specific one i don't think oh god yeah. but i but i but i do remember the internet it was a little easier back then because there wasn't i guess as much censorship and, and even like youtube had different rules back then like way different um it was it was easier there were there were a lot of sites that like had not been taken offline yet that still had web hosts um where you could get content like that and there's there's stuff now but you know it, it's it's it definitely made its way around yeah. Now, in the video dubbed Three Guys, One Hammer, a 48-year-old man named Sergei Yadvenko, who was disabled because of a recent bout with cancer, and at the time of his murder, he was missing uh, while he was riding his Dnepr motorcycle. Um, now, in the video, his, you know, uh, he was killed by the... Uh, by the two maniacs, right? His battered body was found four days later with signs of a savage attack visible even after four days in the summer heat while the body was decomposing. After four days of summer heat decomposition, it was still a gruesome scene one way or, or, an, or, an, or another. I would say evidence of a savage attack were still left on his body, right? The leaked video showed the murder of this man. In the video, the man is seen lying on his back in a wooded area and is struck repeatedly in the face with a hammer held inside of a plastic bag. One attacker stabs Yatsenko in the eye and abdomen with a screwdriver. Yatsenko is then struck with a hammer to ensure he is dead. The attack lasts over four minutes, during which the victim lapses in and out of consciousness. One murderer is seen smiling towards the camera during the video. The murderers walk back to their car, showing that the crime took place close to a road and they had their car parked next to this road as well. They discuss the murder in the video calmly, expressing mild surprise that the victim was still breathing after a screwdriver was plunged into his exposed brain. The suspects then wash their hands and the hammer with a water bottle and begin to laugh. Only two suspects appear to be present in the video, with one always behind the camera. So, dude, your your thoughts on on, on <laughs> it's that? It's horrifying. It's amazing that they actually. Are, are you familiar with the movie Clockwork Orange? Not really. Okay, so it's a Stanley Kubrick movie. It's based on a um, 
a novel, a famous novel that was about a dystopian future. And in this dystopian future, there's these gangs of teenage um, hooligans um, who do all kinds of, like, just antisocial behavior, assaults, rapes, all kinds of things. And what these guys did actually makes... Make, makes makes what what happened in Clockwork Orange look tame, and that's amazing. I mean, given the standard, that that movie was so, what was depicted in that movie as far as teenage hooligan violence was so over the uh, so violent and over the top that it was actually the movie was banned in Britain uh, for the longest time. Uh, it may still be. I'm not sure. I think they finally lifted it. It's interesting too because it it it, it shows that. Something like what we're talking about here, it, it both is and isn't unimaginable. Like, like someone imagined it, and it's something that seems to be the kind of barbarous behavior we'd see, but we don't see it that much, at least not, not in Europe. Now, you do see, interestingly, some of this behavior in, like, war zones. So, like, in, in Africa... Where there's been a lot of um, just even in past decades, there's been a lot of like um, uh, like, like revolutions and kind of um, insurgencies and things like that. You've seen like war crimes to this level with like kind of um, yeah, you know, you know, maiming people and 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 killing them in gruesome ways. Um, and once again, it just seems to be a common theme. Like in that case, you are trying to terrorize a group of people, and you're almost trying to terrorize your own soldiers into being tougher or like like going beyond right you know what i mean it's, it's it's pushing beyond a certain yeah uh a certain point it's yeah the whole thing i mean when i was reading this thing i was i was appalled because i, I think we haven't even i think for, probably for out of the sensibilities for our audience we haven't really even fully explained some of what happened in it because i think it's some of it's too gruesome to even say for both our audience or for YouTube, the kind of things that were happening. But it was the kind of things where um, you even look like, so, so, I mean, we're talking about maiming people while they're alive, poking, poking things into like their, their eyes, gouging out eyes while they're still alive um, for these victims. At some point, once again, once again, you have to, you have to ask, like, I'll, I'll find one thing that I did find interesting was, for the whole range of victims that they're accused of, um, you know, you know, doing this stuff to, interestingly, you didn't really see any sexual assault, did you? Yeah, that was the thing. This thing was, this particular detail was definitely missing uh, from, you know, their sprees. It was almost like it was, it was uh, specifically or purposefully missing. So once again, there's a. There's a method to the madness. And that's, that's my point there is, you know, you would think if it was just two people taking advantage of being able to inflict their will on other people, um, you would think, you know, I mean, I mean, the, the women, women were part of it, both women and men and children. I mean, somewhere in there, there was someone that they would have potentially victimized that way if that was on the menu, but it really does seem like, no, they were on this specific mission to victimize, um, 
to victimize people in a specific way that was just extremely disgusting and gruesome. Like it really seemed like they like like it was designed to be as almost repellent to them as it was to anybody else. Exactly, exactly. And you know, I'm reading um, some of these uh, victims. They seem like they're the the vast majority were middle aged people, but there were some young individuals as well. I'm reading that on some of the occasions the victims did survive right they didn't kill every single time for example on june 25th in dnipro city victor pertsev who was 58 apparently his face was smashed with a blunt object but he did survive right um on other occasions where the people didn't survive we have a young man igor nechvoloda yeah igor nechvoloda he was 21, he was bludgeoned with a hammer over 15 times. Now his killers, you know, the maniacs, wrote a swastika on his forehead. Um, so, you know, that's also a little bit of their, you know, modus operandi. Uh, constantly Nazi Germany symbolism was a part of their murder spree, right? Uh, we have, uh, yeah... Sergei Yadzenko, who was probably, you know, the the man who's seen on that video that, that became viral. I think he's, like, maybe one of the more gruesomest murder victims in the whole of their killing spree. Um, you know, we have instances where a old woman, a woman uh, named Lydia... Mikrensischewa, Lydia Mikrensischewa, who was 70, she survived. That's all we know, that she was attacked and she was survived. And she survived, you know. Um, yeah, uh, I see that there's even 14-year-old kids, uh, you know, one of them survived. It's uh, It seems like it was completely... A complete set of random victims, like a complete set. They were going after anyone, you know. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it. it I guess at this point, so so the, you know, this thing went to trial, and it was interesting because I don't know. Some of the defense by these guys was predictable. You know, that they had a whole thing about like, well, you know, one, one guy wanted to claim that he was insane. Other guy, other guys said that, you know, it was like tr try to put the blame on the other guys. But then it got to this other thing where they started trying to say it wasn't them. Like, like the, 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 the you know, for all this video footage they had, not just of the, vid the actual murders. I mean, you couldn't be stupider than, than, than to, to record yourself committing murders and whether they did that just for their own entertainment or whether they thought somehow that they were going to be able to sell that to maybe the black market, which is, is one of those kind of outstanding theories about whether, whether you know, whether there was another motive. I don't, I don't, I don't know that um, they would have even been smart enough to do that, but you know, regardless um, you know, they, 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 there started to be this whole, other set of theories like this conspiracy theory that the real murderers were these other people who were like well-connected 
um, and rich children of, of Ukraine, of, of, you know, ch children of well-connected and rich Ukrainians that were connected to sort of, you know, whoever the, the ruling um, cadre was at the time. Though, I mean, interestingly, this is, this is also at a point where the country's been through a couple different sets of, like, governments back and forth, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, that whole defense scheme that was apparently manned by, I think, Sayanko's father, who was a lawyer, was definitely wacky. I didn't get the bottom of it. My rough understanding of that defense logic was that apparently... Uh, one of the, you know, suspect's father, who was a lawyer, claimed that other kids with the same exact names from wealthy families committed the crimes, but their, but, you know, since they had wealthy parents, they got off the hook, and some other kids, which were, you know, the, the, the people trialed in this case, who had apparently the same names, got trialed and you know it's a big cover-up by the ukrainian government and um i don't know essentially it, i read that there were like some support not necessarily for this theory but like just support from the local people local populace just because you know there was a i'm, I'm sure there was a heavy anti-government corruption sentiment in ukraine which is probably still there you know what i mean um and yeah, it was like a crazy defense scheme, but I don't know. I've seen the videos and I definitely think that it's like the same people. You know what I mean? It's like pretty obvious to me that the the pictures and, you know, the people at trial are like the same people. And we could do a quick test, dude, uh, actually to see. We could like just compare really quickly. Okay, so this is one of the videos, right? Um, this is definitely the the culprits you know whoever they are and now we could look at them okay so this is uh this is igor so let's just look at igor face really quickly and uh oh wait this is that was victor Th this is victor right look this is the man who they got in jail right here right and then this is the suspect i mean looks like the same exact person to me I mean, yeah, come on. I mean, it's, dude, it's, look. It's, yeah. It's, it's exactly the same person. Same guy. Plus, I mean, the other thing is, is they were trying to say, like, well, they, they spend all this time and money and effort to frame up these dummies. And it's like, look, first of all, they didn't even, they didn't have that ability, especially in Ukraine. They didn't have that ability back then. Nowadays, I think like this, it's so interesting how, like, if, if this had happened someplace else, I think the whole faking the video thing would just be a big laugh because everybody would say, especially back then, everybody would say, well, that's just ridiculous. I think there's a little bit of a smokescreen that the defense is taking advantage of because this is during, you know, b because because it's like there's there's this, this period, and I guess still going, right? In the Ukraine, where the you know the leadership and the government and all that um, goes back and forth, and there has been some funny business about elections and things like that, um, which isn't picking a side. It's just saying that that's true. There's been a lot of uh, controversy. Um, yeah, it, it like injects it injects unreasonable um, 
worked out, I guess, into this where, where it doesn't need to be. So now, like, yeah, you could kind of deep fake some of this stuff. You'd need a really good computer. You'd need good software. Probably most people are going to be able to detect it anyway. But back when this happened, there was nothing at all. I mean, you would have to be a major movie studio in the United States to be able to pull off the kind of face swapping stuff that would even be close to it. And you know what? I, I bet you it still wouldn't even work to be able to do it on like kind of this older video format. You know what I mean? Like, like it would almost look too good. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. That, that those claims are completely ridiculous, in my opinion. You know what I mean? So, I guess now that we're done with like the general gist and the general story, I think you know just some thoughts and some uh, questions that we still have. Um, now, I want to start off with like um, my uh, uh, like a few points. Uh, so, essentially. Let's remember that Alexander Hansa now is a, uh, you know, the man in the middle in this particular picture is now a free man, and he served nine years. He was the accomplice. Um, I don't know. Like, do you have any opinions on that? Like, he has a family, he has kids, you know. I mean, it, it could be that you know something changed after this could be he he like you know hit rock bottom in jail i heard i heard eastern european jail is not a fun place to be i heard it's much worse than prison here so it could just be he got out of his system but yeah i'm i'm, I'm kind of surprised i mean i when i looked at the 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 punishments that these guys got which you know in some cases there are some stiff punishments but i really like I'm kind of amazed. I mean, you, you just, does, you, does the Ukraine, I probably should have researched this, does the Ukraine not have the death penalty? It doesn't. It doesn't. It was abolished after the okay. fall of the Soviet Union. Or maybe like in the early 2000s, it doesn't have anymore. Okay, well, that makes sense then. Yeah, because I mean, what they did, I mean, I, I, it's so hard to find something where it's more obvious that the person actually did the thing that they're accused of. But don't you mean? think but don't you think that Alexander Hansa may should have had like a harsher penalty cuz he pretty yeah. much got 9 years. 9 years is like you know, 9 years is a big obviously it's a big sentence but 9 years is not necessarily a life ending sentence especially when you're like 18. You're getting out at like 27 you know what i mean so you're you still have your whole life ahead of you essentially so do you think that alexander hansa the accomplice who knew of what was happening and participated in many robberies do you think he still deserved to get his life back no i mean gosh it's so strange that i mean poland is just nearby right so in poland we saw people get much worse sentences on much less evidence and not not even a victim right you can't find the victim this this thing we we have victims all over the place we have um you know like it's on video you have uh, i can't even think of, of what more conclusive evidence you need and yeah it's 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 strange it does it does make you wonder if they were just worried about other consequences or whether they're kind of like reserving yeah. Um, you know, reserving the, the, their 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 right to 
to bring bring this back later, right? Exactly. Uh, another interesting point that I think is worth mentioning and briefly talking about it is that these guys, these murderers, right, they went to the funerals, right? And this is the pictures that they took. They went to the funerals of their victims and afterwards, when everyone scattered, they took these pictures, right? So this is, this picture is really shocking because it's someone and i'm not sure it it looks like to me from the from the gravestone that it's maybe a woman because uh, there's like a little picture but it's really blurry uh, from from what we can see here it seems that they came back and uh, essentially for everyone who's listening to this they're holding their middle finger towards the gravestone of one of their murder victims and it looks like it's a fresh gravestone like it just happened and uh, a few more of these pictures i want to bring in uh, this picture right here is also with you know one of the suspects just you know doing a selfie as they're what seems to be burying the one of the victims like they're the coffin like they're putting now dirt on the coffin you know they're burying the coffin and this guy is just taking like a selfie like that i mean if i was at that particular funeral and if i saw this guy taking a selfie like that i would be like what's up with that guy you know what i mean isn't it interesting they almost did like the stereotypical killer stuff you know when they say like like look at the funerals and the crime scene and see who goes comes back to check it out or try to insert themselves into it i mean you you would you would think that they were smart enough as stupid as they were to um to try to be a little more discreet when they were taking these little selfies and things and and then flipping it off like maybe they waited till everybody had left the end of the funeral or something like that but yeah i mean but once again this is this is like not helping their case of insanity, right? This all looks like very deliberate, we're egging each other on kind of behavior. I'll, I'll say this is this is something that, that it reminds me a little bit of, um, you know, Columbine is one of those examples where they, you know, when they try to figure out why do these guys do this horrible thing. Um, yeah. They said that there's, sometimes you end up with this, and I, I don't know that it's just boys or men. It could also be um, women in other contexts for kind of group behavior. But they think for those two guys, they were kind of egging each other on. Like, be, like, like probably by themselves, neither of them would have gone through with it. But because there was the two of them, they kind of kept the other each. They kept each other from chickening out on the their plans or the the bad thing that they did. And I wonder if this is also the case with these guys as well. It's that same kind of toxic friendship. Yeah. Um, though it's not just two of them, right? It's multiple of them. Yeah, they're just they're just they're egging each other on, making it worse and worse. Exactly, exactly. And um another image that I wanna bring in, this is the last image that I found pretty interesting. This is Igor Sprunuk's family picture right this is him i don't know seems like he's 14 i think at this point he's already like capturing dogs in the nearby forest and we can see him with his family members we can see his mother and his father and the parents it seemed like they like what do you make of these parents like these parents like do you think they did not know what their son was up to 
that's that. I mean, you know, you know me and all these shows, right? I always want to go to like the child psychology stuff. I gotta wonder what's going on in these households. What's going on? What's making these guys go out and like start inflicting pain on the world around them? So are they getting abused or, you know, either sexually or physically at home? Are they seeing stuff go on at home that's then setting the tone for how they, you know, go out into the world? It's it's really weird. Like you can't. I mean, obviously, you look at a photo, you can't really tell. I mean, they don't. They look like kind of dour people. His dad doesn't look like a friendly guy, but they don't look happy. I would say no one's really like like super smiling or anything. Maybe that's just the way it is for those portraits. Maybe you're not supposed to be like a grinning idiot, but they don't. You know, I mean, nobody really looks like super loving, happy to be there in this photo. Yeah, exactly, man. And yeah, with that, I think uh, I pretty much uh, went over everything I wanted to go over. Now, I wouldn't want to run over your stuff. So if there's anything still that, you know, we haven't discussed yet or anything that's on your mind regarding the uh, Dnepropetrovsk maniacs, then have at it, man. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've I've wove a lot of them in as we try to go on. I mean, that's if there was all there was one theme, you know. It's always about this this like, like there's this famous quote too. I come famous quote I come back to you again and again from the former one of the former wardens of Alcatraz, where he, he basically said, um, um, <laughs> everybody that was in that in that prison. The, that he uh, he was warden of was basically a product of a bad childhood, um, and I don't think he was wrong. I mean, it, it, it you know they show it again and again, and uh, actually, interestingly, on our next week's topic, um, some variation of this is going to come up again um, for some of the stories we're going to talk about. But you, you can't help but notice that there should have been an intervention, and actually, they weren't. It wasn't like they were not in legal trouble before i think that that they'd had some legal scrapes they'd done things that you you would think had been detected i mean why did no one notice that dogs were hanging over the place right um i think the reason they were caught was they were so stupid about the casual level of violence that they had gotten used to they couldn't even imagine that killing a bunch of people in a metropolitan area that isn't even that big would cause an extreme amount of attention and investigative efforts. So even though maybe they thought they were killing people who were nobodies or that nobody cared about, or I don't even know if they put that much thought into their victims because they really seem to have lost their empathy pretty early on. I think I would, I would argue that's, that's the out, the output, the product of them doing all that kind of, um, stuff that, 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 uh, uh made them jaded to, um, to that kind of violence, yeah, is what, what what drove them to maybe be stupid about how other humans would, would, would think of what was going on and really, like, like look how quickly they were stopped once it became obvious that, like, something was going on. Exactly. No, that's a good point. It does seem that, to me, that they could have been stopped a lot quicker because it seems like they were, they caused so much damage to the society before they were eventually apprehended. And it was because of them being stupid and selling one of the mobile phones to the pawn, pawn shops, right? And uh, yeah, this was a great episode this week. Uh, definitely uh, an interesting case. Uh, 
you know a different format but speaking about format you know next week we have like a at least we're definitely preparing a new format uh you know for our audience members and dude you you know uh, excited about uh potentially what we're doing next week yeah i am you know we've been doing this for gosh almost exactly two years you know this will be what next the, the next episode i think is going to be 120 for us and I, I know one of the because I, on one hand I'm really happy that we've gotten to cover so many topics in depth, especially ones that were on my list. You know what I mean? My my like uh, the list that I just always wanted to talk about and flesh out. And so we've got that done, and we we will do more. Of course, we have more, much more. We always have people giving us good additions. But I think one one frustration I've always had is that. I'll see something really interesting during the week. And, you know, sometimes if we're lucky, we can get it on the list and it's a big enough topic. There's enough to talk about and things have happened where we can actually go and cover it on the show for like the full, you know, 90 minute, 120 minute treatment that we, we give it. But, but for all those stories, there's all these other gems of either cases that, like you're just starting to get your fingernails under, you know, to find out about or breaking news like the the Gabby Petito thing was a case where, where we could kind of have enough to go off of. Um, but just, you know, stories that, that, that pop up during the week. Sometimes they're about things that happen now. Sometimes they're cold case stuff that suddenly got hot again. Um, but we really wanted to try to figure out if there's a way to experiment with our format to get you some of this kind of information earlier and to give more of an overview and maybe an ongoing coverage about things like this. That makes sense. Yes, exactly. And I'm actually really excited uh, for the next week's show. Um, Nope. Uh, I hope everyone will have a wonderful uh, end of their week. I hope everyone had a nice Halloween celebration. You know what I mean? Because this episode will be coming out after Halloween. Um, And, you know, uh, I I'm really hoping that uh, the next episode, the next format will be a a great start to everyone's November, you know, and uh, really excited about that, uh, seriously, and I can't wait to record, but for now, guys, please just stay safe, and we'll catch you on the next week's episode, peace out.